Welcome back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. I spoke with Mike Carroll, a Binghamton comedian, for about an hour today. Super fun guy. Uh, I love doing shows with him. You guys are going to really enjoy it. Just talked about his path around Binghamton and what the scene was like five and a half years ago when he started. He is hosting at the Boho Comedy Club in Binghamton on December 27th. So get tickets, go to that show. You won't regret it. Follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at On the Mic with Mike Peters. Like and subscribe with the podcast, tell a friend. I really enjoy doing this. It's been a lot of fun. Hope you're having fun listening. Take care. Wings off Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in What's going on, Mike? Not much, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so this could be interesting. Uh, I got Mike Carroll, uh, Binghamton comedian. He's a very funny guy. And so I'm Mike. He is Mike. This could be interesting. So. It never gets confusing at shows. You've never had to bring me up like that before. So. No. The other Mike? <laughs> yeah, they said the other Mike yeah. here. How, how frustrating was that, like, Mike, your name in school? You know what? It is a dreadfully common name, especially for, I think, our generation. Like, there was yeah. no Gavins or Howls or whether well, it was Howls, I guess. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I've always found that less Hales in the world, the better. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Hal Stewart. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, yeah, there was at least three mics in my middle school class. So I grew up as Carol, which is my last name. Uh, one of the other mics went as Mikey. And then we had another kid whose last name started. It was His last name was Ziokowski. Oh. And everybody called him Z. Yeah. So we had three Michaels. Nobody went by Michael or Mike. It was Carol, Mikey, and Z. Yeah, we did all last names. I, yeah. I, I tell a story every once in a while, but I was in jazz band because that's where they put the cool kids. And we had seven mics in the class. <laughs> and asshole teacher, he would wait until we were all together. And most of us were friends, but he'd wait till we were all together on one side of the room. And he'd go, hey, Mike. Every one of us, seven mics would look, and he'd just slap his knee and go, ah, ha, ha, and we're just like, fuck you, and we'd leave. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. To this day, I work in the same department with three other mics, and we all go by mic, so. Really? Yeah. No last names? Nothing. No last name. No, we, the kid that sits behind me, he's a child, so he got, he goes by his middle name, Jimmy, but only when people call him that. He didn't choose that. <laughs> Wait, so his name is Mike and he goes by Jimmy. Well, his last name, so it's Mike. I'm Mike Carroll. He's Mike. His name also starts with a C-A-R. Oh, okay. And one of the girls working with us decided to start calling him Jimmy. And yeah. I've gotten that before, but they just call me douchebag. <laughs> and I, I answer quicker to that than I do any variation of Mike. I was going to say, my, my parents just called me asshole. So yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, I got a mistake. True. It's not true. Accident. <laughs> they call me accident a lot. So it's, I can't wait for Thanksgiving, by the way. That's, that's going to be fun. See, I was the first, and they waited six years to have kids, so I know I was at least planned. They waited six years. Oh, yeah, okay. They may have wanted to return me, but I was at least planned. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, I'm, the, I'm the first boy. So I'm the third kid, first boy. Both my sisters, the rumor is that both my sisters were supposed to be Mike. So when they say, oh, you're adopted, I'm like, ah, I'm the one they wanted. <laughs> so maybe, but I got that going. You have the bank account. I've got, well, the intention of my mom's love. Yeah. That's about it. We're not doing anything right now to carry on the last name, so you got to get on that. And no, no. Re- I, and then they'll really love no, you. No, man, I got my cats. Yeah. I gave my cats last name. <laughs> oh, then I got them fixed. So... Yeah, really. The line will die, man. Really put a damper on that one. <laughs> Got to get some more cats. Yeah. But I just had, uh, Mike and I just did a, a show in Owego and uh, at Rainbow Trail. Rainbow Trail. And, yeah, man. It was a great time. Uh, Mike, you've been, you've been kicking around for what? Five, six years? Five years. I started five 2014. Years? Just yeah. about, yeah. Just about five years. Any regrets? Uh, so many. So many regrets. <laughs> then you're on the right uh, track. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I regret not having this. So when you first start, you don't know anything. Yeah. And you're just jumping out of planes without parachutes. And I think that's actually better for you than when you start learning stuff and you start second-guessing yeah. yourself. And like, oh, should I do that joke? Is that funny? Or, oh, should I do that room? Or, I don't know. Maybe I won't plan up for that festival. But when you're – like, when I started, I was 24. Um, a buddy of mine, Jim Mensel, um, said he was going to open mics and brought me along. And at the time, the scene had just gone through a transition where a few of the bigger names had left or were doing their own thing. So we ended up working pretty regularly our first year or two not knowing that we were doing shows that we had no business doing yeah. <laughs> with the same 10 minutes that we were rolling out at an open mic. And yeah, no, so many regrets though. <laughs> do you remember the first joke you ever tried on stage and it worked? Yes, I do. It was, you um, still do it. I still, not every show, but okay. I still busted out. It yeah, was so. the joke about my Catholic principal. Okay. 
Do you know that one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And it's funny because that joke, it's a made up story about a principal I had growing up in Catholic school who was a very mean and spiteful and hateful person. Well, <laughs> I hope she listens to this. Isn't that how you get that job? Yeah, exactly. Catholic okay. school, yeah. you rise to the top yeah. of the Catholic school. So, but it's a story about going into her, um, her office for the first time and just like, you know, her being, having a statue of a tortured dead dude above her wall. That's how much she loved punishment. That was the first joke I did where it got, and I did it the first time at a workshop. I didn't do comedy for the first time in a legit crowd. I did it at a workshop actually. And I went up there, I had all these jokes written and I didn't get a single laugh. (laughs) So this was, this was doing it for other comedians. There was five, six of us in the room. Um, Maybe I was like, maybe 10. Anyway, it was all comedians. And you, the whole thing was you go up there, do jokes. Then people give you advice on like, you know, your time. I did ran through five minutes of material probably in a minute thirty seconds and I didn't get a single laugh. But I came back. That's the next a perfect week. score. Yeah, no, I was batting a thousand yeah. to begin with. But I came back the next week, um, did the workshop again. Didn't really get any laughs that time either. But by the time I had got up on stage, it was my third time in front of a microphone, really. And my first open mic actually went well. That was I was blessed about that because if I didn't do well at my first one, I don't know how it would continued but how nervous were you the first time you got on stage like at the open mic less nervous than i was at the workshop okay because at the workshop it was like i'm performing in front of at that i mean it wasn't they were none of them were big names but it was all guys that i was like oh man these are actual comedians so i was more nervous for that when i got up on stage i was less nervous and i had done public speaking and stuff in high school but i got when i got that first laugh i was good and then also hooked yeah so. that's the thing like i i always say like the you know when you get on stage and you get that first laugh it's like you keep chasing that feeling oh yeah absolutely and i will never be tired to find find of that fun i mean eventually i hope to get somebody to laugh at a joke again it's you know that's that's my old yeah. that's my goal it's it's one of the best it's the reason i think we all do this is because you know we're all weird and seeking attention yeah. but when they give that when you do something that you wrote and performed and then they laugh that's like the the high. That's the biggest high. Yeah, like you don't, you probably don't get that as much if you're playing Crash Into Me at a bar. No, exactly. Yeah, you know? but you can have more success playing Crash Into Me at a bar because that's people people can be talking over your set and you did fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's the one that gets to me. I just did a show in Norwich, and where I had like like four guys at the bar just yelling over me, and they were right next to me, and I'm like, dude, like if you're gonna shit at me, cool, but at least be respectful of the last guys. And they were. So I'm like, I guess that's a win. But, man, I just hope the money comes at the end of the night. I was going to say, you and me are, you know, bar show veterans. Yeah, There's the treacheries of doing a bar show. You get one guy that decides, even not even trying to be an asshole, but just talking loud and not knowing that's not okay. You know, quote, unquote, trying to help. Yeah, like just or even a guy having a conversation in the back room. You you have two people look over there. You stepped over the punchline. That joke is gone. Well, I just did a show in Bristol Myra, which is like basically in Canada. And we had two hecklers, you know, two or three people. They just yelled out, and and they were fine. But he just was interrupting every punchline. And it's like, dude, like, at a certain point, I'm going to kill myself. Like, <laughs> like, you don't get it. It's just – it's. Just relax. If you if you pay attention, if you're if you're patient, another three and a half four seconds, you'll laugh. Just wait for it. My first two years doing comedy, I worked pretty much exclusively with a guy that was a master at taking yeah. down hecklers. Like you wanted to be a part of the show. Now you were the focal point of right. the show, and you were going to regret it. He was going to beat you every time. Like this guy, there was there's some comedians that go over the line. There's some comedians that toe the line. This guy was in the stands punching out fans yeah. like Ron Artest. <laughs> like, yeah. and, oh, he, and, that, and that ended well for – he had to change his name. He did have to he change his name. He went to Meta World Peace. But he was the greatest guy at taking down – he was the Meta World Peace of taking down hecklers. He right. really – and so I – Try to, but you have to be careful because, like, I tried to do it once at a show. It was the first time this bar was doing an open mic, yeah, and I was hosting the mic. And there was this group of old guys just talking loudly, not being not at us, but just talking loudly over everyone's set. And you know, you couldn't get into the show that way. So I told the guys, I was like, All right, guys, uh, 
the stories about the good old days will still be just as unfunny two hours from now. Yeah. So just, you know, hold off. And I, I thought that'd be, yeah, I thought it was. I just look up and I see the bar owner looking at me like I had just stolen his yeah. cat. Like he was so heated. I got off stage. He's like, Mike, you can't do that. Why are you talking to my customers that way? And I'm like, I get his point, but that was just the way that I had yeah. been introduced to shows was you have no mercy for the hecklers. Yeah, like when I host all these shows, I'm like, you know what? I'll take a punch. Yeah. I'll give it every once in a while if I if it needs to be done and if I can do it. But that's not my style. No, me. You know, I, I'm more like, okay, well, I, I spent, you know, 16 seconds working on this joke. Let me see if it works. But no, I, I'll spend this time working on my set. And I'm like, oh, I don't really, you know, if I veer off, I, I, I'll be all right. But that's not, that's not my strength. Yeah, I, I don't do much crowd work either. I pretty much stick to my act and then I'll riff with the crowd a little yeah. bit, but not necessarily calling people out or making them part of the show. Yeah. Or There's comedians that are great at that, though. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. So what what got you into stand up essentially? So I mean your your buddy wanted you to do it. Well, I was but always got to be something I was always say. a fan of the it sounds weird, but the art form in general. I was always a fan of stand up. Like I remember like I loved Chappelle, like Chappelle's show and then watching yeah. his old specials. Um Jerry Seinfeld, you know, when I found out that like, oh, the guy on the show actually does stand up in real life that's that was a cool moment those monologues yeah at the beginning of the I, 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 I thought it was in. no I, I thought it was like <laughs> thought that was part of the show like right, he was okay. an actor playing right. you know Maisel doesn't do stand up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no so I was always interested in that I thought it was cool and then I watched a documentary about Bill Hicks yeah do you know the one I'm talking about? I can't no, remember I, the name, but I it, probably have it in my it next was like America, Netflix, yeah, clue, cue, whatever. It was like this is America or something. It was a really cool documentary on Bill Hicks, and that was really I was like, oh man, that kind of showed me what stand up was could be. Not that I'm like Bill Hicks at all. I'm actually yeah. <laughs> he would probably hate my act, yeah. but that got me really interested. So then maybe a year later, my buddy Jim, uh, shout out Jim Mensel. Um, told me he was doing open. We can mics. do a drinking game for how many times you shout out Jim Mensel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were doing. Uh, he was doing open mics, so yeah. he wanted me to come out to this workshop he was doing, and thought I would be decent at it. And I told him I had some interest, and yeah, did my first mic. First mic went well. Second mic did well. Third mic I bombed. My which is healthy. Good. Which is healthy. Yeah. yeah. Because then I I still came back after that, and yeah, the rest is um, very low. Very low history. <laughs> it's very unimportant history. It's frustrating to me to see somebody go three or four weeks in a row and then just not do it again. And I understand everybody's wired differently. We don't all want to do this. We don't. We don't have the aspirations. Aspiration. Aspirations to do it. Maybe I'll learn how to talk eventually. But yeah, it's like you can see that talent there, and you're like, oh, he's. Remember that guy? He's gone. Where would he go? We, nobody knows. I think some people come into it with the wrong expectation. I think some people come into it and they're like, oh, I'm going to do an open mic, going to do two open mics, going to do three open mics, yeah. and then I'm sure I'll get my special soon or I'll have 20 minutes of really funny material, half hour of really funny material, going to go start doing clubs. And it is a long process to well, get I mean, to get good. You've been doing it five get, and a half years and you're yeah. still working on 15 minutes. I, I was going <laughs> to <laughs> No, I was, I was legitimately going to say I probably ha- – I've been doing it five years and in all seriousness, I have – 25 minutes that i'm yeah. really happy with and five of that the crowd needs to be into it things need to be going right. well you know right. like and it helps that they know you yeah so you don't have to explain some things and then you know things change like you know jokes that you were doing five years ago may not be funny anymore or you know the climate right. nobody gets the reference <laughs> i'm hoping like I, I got one joke and i don't use it all the time but i've been i brought it back but Jared Fogel, and I'm like, I just need that guy to <laughs> stay a piece of shit for a little while longer. I think he'll be good on that. I think it's a safe <laughs> I think bet. that's a safe bet. You know, it's like, oh, you want to drag Cosby through? Okay. You know, it's like, eh, there are probably instances we don't know about, and we yeah. can still talk about them. But I think that the people that you say that they have talent and then they stop coming or they fall off or whatever, I think, like I said, I think their expectation of when they get into it of what it's going to be like is wrong. Well, you start, you started, you know, and then how long did it take you for you to get on noticed in a show? Say, hey, come on, get, get on this one. So I got very lucky. Um, after my third open mic, uh, my friend Jim, the one you bombed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. The one I bombed. Right. My friend Jim, uh, we were hanging out and he actually got booked on a show. Guy that was booking shows locally, um, in Vestal had a mini showcase. Mm-hmm. There was great. Um, Sam Ruddy was on it. Steve, oh, yeah. Steve Rogers yeah. was on it. Corey Smithson, like, so real comedians at that no point. Yeah. yeah. And um, all three in New York right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I went with him. He's like, oh, I'll introduce you to the guy that booked me. And, you know, maybe you can get on the next one or, you know, he'll know who you are. I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. We'll go together. So we go up to him and uh, Jim said, it was Andy Mushali. He yeah. said, Andy, uh, this is my friend Mike. He's a comedian too. And he said, oh, great. I just had a guy cancel. Um, can you do uh, 
10 minutes. Yeah. Shit. I, I maybe had, like, you know, yeah. but here's what I was talking about earlier about jumping out of planes without parachutes. I didn't know that I didn't have a good 10 minutes. I had two sets that I had done an open mic, combined them both. Went up, went pretty well. Yeah. Like I got laughs. It good, wasn't good room. It was a good. It was a small room, but you know it was packed with like thirty people. All of them there to see the show. Very into it. It wasn't a bar show, so there wasn't any distractions mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, went well. Got laughs. Um, Steve Rogers actually polished, polished up my closer for me, which was cool. Oh, no. <laughs> Before you did it? Yeah. No, afterwards. But oh, okay. yeah. But you know, I still got that out of it. But no. And then he, I was getting booked from this guy, so it went well enough that he <laughs> wanted to not never see me yeah. again. And then um, what was cool was not too long after that, there was a comedy festival in Binghamton that uh, Kevin Salisbury was putting on. And uh, he, I assume he's the was, crowd work guy. Yeah, he's yeah, the crowd. Yeah, we're talking about Kevin. But he uh, – Xavier. Xavier. He needed hosts for this. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of shows. And he asked me if I would do it. And I said yes. And the first night I did it went well. But what was really cool about it was that one of the guys that was supposed to host a midnight show for Kurt Metzger – had some health problems, couldn't do it at the time. And, you know, I think both me and Jim, Kevin loved because we were just young and hungry. We just wanted, we didn't care. We didn't ask how much money he was paying us. We didn't ask how much time we were doing. We just wanted to tell jokes. And so he put us on. I got to host for a national headliner at the time. His special was just coming out. Didn't lead to anything, but it led to me getting, I was able to now book myself regularly at bar shows, local stuff. Got the credit too. And got the credit. And I got to meet somebody that was, um, you know, a national headliner. Now what's funny and me and Jim talk about this to this day was when we when we were like 24 and starting out and we were going to perform in front of Kurt Metzger, the Kurt Metzger. We had this like image in our head of him like watching our set and yeah. then like like oh you guys did good or oh you should do this. Now nah, he was not watching the local comedians, right. which is fine. Again, like yeah, like again, he's a national headliner like he but no, it was cool. I I got really lucky really early with getting booked on shows. What was the scene like 5 and a half years ago? We had an awesome open mic. It was every other Wednesday at Maddie B's in Binghamton. And there was usually 12 to 20 comics every other Wednesday, all from Ithaca, Syracuse, yeah. Binghamton. People would show up just to watch, which is strange with open mics, but people would literally show up every week just to watch comedy. You know, it was different people in there all the time. Like Steve Rogers, like I mentioned, who's now a New York comic, um, Anna Phillips, um, you yeah, know, Baltimore, Baltimore, uh, Sam Ruddy, who's, you know, written for college humor and stuff like that. Like, so it was a great mic. Um, there was a lot of, there was three or four different bookers, I think. Yeah. And, you know, there was shows, you know, somewhere, again, we're talking bar shows, we're talking little rooms here and there, but you know, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun scene. You're, you're more autobiographical than a lot of people. I mean, like at least unless you're making all this shit up. Well, (laughs) yeah. You know, and I know there's, there's exaggerations here and there, but was there any hesitancy to not do it that way like like kind of hide some people hide you know experiences or was it just natural for you to talk about yourself well i found out at first i didn't really have any idea what the kind of stuff i wanted to do was but early on and to this day the best jokes i write are autobiographical now a lot of them are heavily exaggerated (laughs) like but for instance um the joke that i do about uh, going to my cousin's birthday party and it's actually his wake. I shouldn't be telling punchlines. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys so, come see me, you'll see, you'll hear the joke. <laughs> um, but no, the jokes that I did, they're heavily exaggerated, but they're yeah. all based on reality and I find that the best ones that I do well at anyway, I'm telling from a first-person perspective. It still has that, you know, um, premise set up punchline, yeah. but I'm trying to make it sound like more like a story and that's what I found works best for me. I would imagine it's, I know from my experience, easier to remember those jokes as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, based on what you've actually experienced. Yep. You can get into a better flow. Now, I would love to be able to do observational humor or political yeah. commentary. You know, I would I would love to be able to do that because I think you can get bigger quicker that way. But I've just found that what works best for me is to tell exaggerated stories from my own life and, you know, put a twist on them. Now, do you remember, uh, how was the first show you did? Like that, that show down there, how'd you do? You did pretty well? I did okay. For, for, I t- you know, hindsight... I'm sure you changed something. I got laughs on my punchlines. Um, I didn't pause between. I talked too fast like all yeah. new comedians do. But people were laughing and people had told me I did well. And so did the comedians yeah. in there said I did well. Which probably means more, yes. more than anything else. And not only that, but cared enough to give me tips on my jokes at that point. So it wasn't – and right. I was smart <laughs> enough to listen. Now, do you remember your, the, the worst show you've ever done or been experienced? <sighs> I mean, it doesn't have to be your worst set. 
like a, an absolute bomb, but just an absolute nightmare. That's a of, good one of a of a show. That's a good one. Um, so one of the worst. It's it's not my worst show because I actually had a blast on it. But I was hosting. I think you were on the show. I was hosting the midnight show of the comedy crawl the no. first year. You weren't on nope. that show. Were you there? No, the first year I wasn't. I I'd started okay. coming the second year. So it was. I actually, and I say worst show, but it's not really a worst show. It's just a funny story about a show. But it was a blast. But the problem was there had been six or seven comedy shows that night already. Yeah. It was twelve thirty at night. People were, the comedians were way too drunk to be performing. The audience was way too drunk to be listening to comedy. People were falling asleep halfway through. <laughs> and it devolved into uh, Tishan, the Phantom shout out. <laughs> it's singing. He brought down the whole house by singing karaoke and doing um, the I would fall into the sky. Sure, that was the first year? It might have been the second year. That was the first year. That was the okay, first year right, of comedy. No, girl. That's it. That was the first year. Because I was in the second year and people did fall asleep during the show. That was so the, fucking late. Was that the first? Was I? Am I thinking about the second year then? I don't know, but I, I know. I uh, thought it was the first year, but anyway, yeah. it was a show. People were literally falling asleep during the show because it was so late, and they had been drinking and having a great time. But that was that was a pretty brutal one. Yeah, comedy crawl is like it, it kind of is is different now, but it used to be. Oh, now at it's three amazing. Or four, yeah. But it used to be at three or four places. Yeah. So so it would it would kind of resemble a beer crawl with comedy shows. You just have one set up at like. Let's just say three o'clock, and another would be five, and another would be seven, and the headliner show would be nine, and then they did an after party. Yeah, at Maddie B's, it started at like eleven o'clock or something like that, and, and it started great. Yeah. I actually I was really happy with my set. The crowd was into it and laughing. The place was packed, but it just it was too much of a good thing at that yeah. point. People were falling asleep, and and then you know any show like I'm trying to. There was a few shows that. Um, different bars where, like, you know, five people come. Yeah. You know, so that's... Listen, you don't need to talk about my shows the entire time. <laughs> you know, so at, at some point, it just gets it gets to be hurtful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no remorse. No Nothing. remorse, no. Nothing. It's not your fault. You're, you're somebody, you're somebody <laughs> best. You do a good job, Mike. Yeah. So I, this the transitions well. Uh, I'd like to, with everybody who's on... You've never listened to the podcast, right? I actually, I feel bad. I have not. Okay, that's fine. I, sh- I should have done that. Because we're going to go to my favorite segment, uh, five... Nice minutes about Mike Peters and how good he is. Oh man, he yeah. he books me on shows, <laughs> and we're done. That's, like, that's, that's about it. No, I think you gain so much more from those shitty shows. Oh yeah, and, and like when you have five people, uh, when you have five people at an audience, like you just learn so much. One of my other, and this is funny. Now we're turning into Mike's best shitty shows. <laughs> me, Jim, and Tyler Benson all drove up to. Uh, Rochester, yeah, one year to do a show at a burrito stand, like a burrito, really? like like you know, like a kind of like a walk-in restaurant. Yeah. Where there are seating there, but you're not really meant to eat there. We did a show there, and we just bringing these drunk college kids off the street, and it should have been a disaster, but it was actually a blast. <laughs> there was maybe a dozen kids there, and like you know, college kids were yep. coming in and out, and like I said, we drove to Rochester for that. We you know. It was that was a lot of fun. That was one of those you're jumping out of parachutes, jumping out of planes without parachutes, and just you don't know better. I did a show at a pizza place in Cortland, probably in April, and we'd done a couple shows there before, and really had some good turnouts, like 40 people, uh, just in this hallway of a pizza joint, and good pizza. That's what we were making. We were making pizza. We got free pizza after the show. Nice. So no money, nothing like that. But uh, we did the show. It was a good lineup. I was proud of it. We got there. And the owner's like, yeah. So I forgot to, you know, put up the posters. <laughs> I was like, well, that was, one, essential. Two, the only fucking thing you had to do. And nobody showed. So the comedians were there, and we just ran through our sets. We did, we did all of our sets. Wow. We watched each other do 15, 20-minute sets. You stuck to your time and everything, yep. too? Wow. Oh, I mean, I didn't light anybody, but, like, but yeah, it was. You know what I'm saying? Like you did your oh, full, yeah, like yeah, you did for your the most act. Part. Wow. And, and, uh, and, and maybe somebody didn't do this bit or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I had such a blast. And we got food. Nice. Whatever. And it didn't matter. I, 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 I'd yeah. made less at a show than food. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, I, I've been paid in hurt feelings before. Yep. And even with money, I can still get hurt feelings. So I don't know. It's, uh, is, is, there any, is there any topic like you, you're afraid to get into? Or you don't, you stay away from... Uh, no, I, I like the... Um, I'm a big South Park guy. And Matt Stone and Trey Parker once said something that I thought really resonated with comedy, which is a joke can be offensive as long as it's equally funny. Right. Like, if, you're, if you have a clever joke about an offensive topic, 
I think it's fine to tell that joke because either all of it's okay or none of it is. You know, you can't make fun of this group of people but not make fun of this group of people. But if you're just going out there and saying offensive shit to be offensive, it's not funny and I don't think it's okay to do that. So when you start off your your set with like a slew of N-words, you're just lucky that's funny. Yes, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Just Yeah. All right. it, it's only funny because I say it like 50 times. If I said it once, it'd be it's offensive. It's rule of repetition. Yeah. You know, like, like it's like, oh, is he going to keep saying it? And then it's like, he is. oh man, he is. And it's funny He's again. consistent. And that's what I admire. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, even my most offensive jokes are like knee slap or dad jokes. Yeah. Like it's not anything. I don't, and it's not that I try to stay away from it. I just, it needs to be funny for me to go there. I have always been, I know this is about you, but. I have this podcast at least. Uh, always been told that I have the face of a guy who you can't get mad at for this <laughs> stuff, and it's just like the way I go about things. Even in college, uh, I sent a. It was back in two thousand, you know, four. This happened, so it was like really like the rise of of uber feminism. Okay, at least at the college campus for me. I mean, at least right. and. Uh, uh, and I'm a feminist. Like I, I took gender communication, love it. I, I really believe in equality and everything. So I was. You're fighting. in touch with your inner cat lady. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I'm. A, I'm a weird person. So, but I. I but I loved making fun of people. Loved um, getting a rise out of somebody. So I had this woman uh, who didn't like me at all, and I'm like, all right, let me let me prod her a little bit. So I went on t-shirthell.com. And I found a T-shirt for her. I didn't buy it, but I sent her the the you know image. And it was this woman in a kitchen with a chef's hat, and it just said, "I belong here." <laughs> so like the kitchen was on top, and she just said the air bubble, I be- or the speak bubble, "I belong here." And I'm like, "Oh, Jen will love this." And I sent it to her, and she's like, "I'm taking, I'm gonna get you fired from the radio station for this." Oh man! Now today, tried maybe, to cancel you. Today, she would she would have been successful. She would have been really popular today. <laughs> But this is in 2004, and she brought it to my advisor. Not only would you have been fired, she'd be famous on Twitter right Probably. now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd never work again. Yep. So, but she brought it to my advisor, who was, uh, I mean, I'd known her for three years at that point, and she ended up being the faculty advisor of everything. And then she wrote books on feminism, like legitimate books on feminism. And she's like, look what Mike did. And my advisor goes... It's just Mike. (laughs) He doesn't mean anything by it. He just wants to make you laugh. And she's like, oh. And she was so pissed off that I didn't get in trouble for that. And I'm like, but that's, so when I go on stage, I'm like, I'm hoping that people know that I'm joking about. I mean, you know, being a comedian. Yeah. Well, it's also, and I I think with um, some of the stuff that you do, it's definitely like, you can tell it's satire. Like, you, 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 like, automatically. It's not going to be... Yeah, and and a lot of, a lot of what I do is, like, self-deprecating. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, whatever, like... And the second you make fun of yourself, because I, I I do that, too, and the second you make fun of yourself, like, they can't really get mad at you, because you're No, you'd hope not. Yeah. Even, even, like, if, when I deal with race, I usually am the joke of it. Right. So I have, I don't do this joke very often. I probably should bring it back, but it was, it's just a funny thing that happened in Syracuse, and this this black woman was running down uh, the sidewalk, and she was being chased by three white people. And I made I'm like, oh yeah, like I forget the joke. I'm not even gonna try it. I'll, I'll fuck it up and make it actually racist. <laughs> so, but but uh, uh, so the woman behind her, uh, the white woman, said, said, "Stop her! She stole my stuff." And so the black woman was running past me, and I just put my arm out, and I got her bags. And I'm like, all right. You know, I thought, hey, this is her stuff. And so the, the black woman ran past me and the white, women and, or the white woman and her two friends ran past me too. And I'm like, and I'm holding the bags. I'm like, where are you going? I, I have your stuff here. <laughs> and so they come out of this alley and this woman has her wallet and like counting her cash. And I said, well, here are your bags. She goes, no, they're not mine. They're hers. Keep them. <laughs> and like my punchline is so I robbed a woman like, <laughs> like that was it like so I so I, I hope the audience is like oh he's going down a race thing no I'm going down an I tried to be the hero and ended up being the fucking criminal like it's the right. joke is on me exactly 
And plus, my girlfriend is half black, so I'm allowed to say whatever I want. She is she me, half black? She tells me that all the time. Yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I don't advertise it, man, because she's a human being. Oh, I didn't know that either. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. No, she gets mad at me. She, I, I say that I'm woke all the time. And I was like, yeah, my girlfriend's half black. I get to say whatever I want. And she, no, take. <laughs> so it's not a rule? It's no, no. Oh. It's, it's the opposite of that. Well, I, I have to be, I, she told me I have to be extra nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do that? No, no. Oh, good. good. Uh, you just performed at the Boho. The new I did. Club. The new comedy How'd club, the go? Boho. It was absolutely amazing. Um, the place turned out so good. Um, for those of you listening that don't know, or you probably do know, uh, Jordy D'Angelo's memory is being well honored there for everything he wanted to do for that club. Um, crowd was super into it, which was cool. Um, I hadn't performed at a comedy club since four years ago, I think, maybe even five. I did. The, the funny bone yeah. it had been a long time since i did a club and it was really cool just the way they have it set up everything went really well so i was very happy and the people laughed at my jokes which was you know bonus. always always a bonus always yeah. a bonus like i said i'm still trying to get there yeah <laughs> no that's the key they, they gotta laugh <laughs> so uh, they go. gotta laugh so uh but you you got you're doing a show there the 27th right yeah now, i'll so. be hosting i'll be back yeah. there the 27th of december hosting a show i'm look, really looking forward to it what do you think that club in binghamton's gonna do for the local scene I only hope it makes us rise to the occasion because I think that – so there's only so many – you know, com- there's local comedians and I think it will make – it will force us to work harder to show that like you know we can be booked on a club. We can be booked right. on a bar show. We can make you laugh just as hard equally at both venues. You know, We're not just bar comedians or we're not just club comedians. You know, we, I mean we've performed in backyards. We've performed at yeah. pizza places. I think that it will – hopefully rise the local scene up to a higher level is there somewhere like like do you have an aspiration like like get out of the area or go further with this or or i mean is is that always in the back of your mind or it's always in the back of my mind it's it's tough working a nine-to-five job and then also trying to pursue this full-time like i have um you know i talked about steve rogers already but just the fact that how after high school, he went into this so hard with like, you know, just working a part-time job just to pay for gas to get to more shows and just working as much as you can. I think that's what it takes to get to that next level. But yeah, always, I would love to be able to do this full-time. See, I always thought he was doing comedy to support his dream. At <laughs> of at working Wegmans. at Wegmans. I think that yeah. maybe that's what it was and the comedy thing just worked out. But no, I would, I, like I said, I would really love to be able to do this full-time. It's, um, it's a grind though. And it's also, you know, it's hard work plus luck plus... How great would that be, though? If, oh. Like you're just working like a part time job, and you're like, oh. yeah, I guess, I guess, like Brian Regan saw me, and I can't, I can't come in at my shift at Wegman's. They, they, they couldn't get a hold of him <laughs> because he didn't have an agent. <laughs> like, know, they tried to find out who to call to book him. What a sad, what a sad story that guy has. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, that's just kind of funny. Like you just never know what's going to. Well, and gonna that's happen. the thing. There's, there's so many different routes to it to get to that point of, you know, there's no, there's really no roadmap of like you go to point A to point B and then okay, you're famous and doing Comedy Central. Like it's not like playing pro baseball where yeah. it's like you know you, you do good in high school, college looks at you, or a pro team picks you up, you have a tryout. You know, and then you and then you keep doing good, and then you rise up the ranks. There's no roadmap to being a successful comedian. In a similar way, though, uh, if you're from if you're from one of those southern schools, if you're from a Carolina or a Florida or a Texas or a California, the schools will actually look at you first. They'll they'll see you much the same way that if you're working in New York or L.A. or Chicago or a big market, maybe it might be an easier route. And I think, and now that you bring that up, I actually think upstate New York has some of the funniest people that that I've seen. And what's nice is we're kind of, it's a smaller pool of people. You know, you go down to the city, you know, it's hundreds and thousands of people trying to make it. I think there's some very funny people from upstate New York that are in your situation. Yeah. You know, they have to pay their bills. They've got family. They've got parole officers. You know, whatever. whatever, (laughs) Anything that's Sometimes sometimes both. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're just that talented. Uh, But, you know, just can't afford it. Right. You know, living in the city. So that's why, like, whenever I go and and try to get places, I'm like, no, this is this is the roster I have. I uh, just did a. I just went up to Oneonta today to try to get somewhere, and they said, well, who, who do you book? And I said, well, I, I keep a list of 110 people that I who I booked. So and some of them do this, some of them do this. They're all living locally, and it's like you don't realize the talent you have. You know that's why I think Agreed. I think that's why I think the Boho Club could be successful just on local talent. Yeah. Because people don't know that that talent is there, and it's like holy shit! Like we got a guy living here who has CDs. 
right. who <laughs> wrote for the Chris Rock show. How does how's that work? Who wrote for Letterman? You know, it's just fascinating that you just don't know your neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like I said, it's only going to give more opportunity. Like, but then, you know, because like we just did a show at Rainbow, right? There was, yeah, yeah, four of us all did, you know, 25 minutes and the the crowd was into it. And like, it's shows like that that are like, okay, you know, it's a weird thing to be able to do. And when sometimes you tell your coworkers and stuff about, oh, I do stand up comedy and I think they have this image in their head, but just the fact that you could captivate a dive bar on a Thursday night for <laughs> an so, hour and a half. So what do you tell when, when your coworkers say, oh, tell me a joke? What's come, your response? Come see me. Yeah. Or, you know, what, what's, do you ever get this response? I've never heard you say anything that funny. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I'm like, Grandma, you're the meanest person ever. That's why you're in half my jokes. I, I get that all the time. Either that they think, oh, I, I guess you're sometimes funny. Or, oh, tell me a joke. Or, you must have a million jokes about this place, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I got that too. It's, it's like, like no, and I, I come in like, oh, you guys are not that interesting. Were we in your routine? I'm like, no, no. Every, everybody thinks they work yeah. at Dunder Mifflin, and it's yeah, like, it's like <laughs> their lives are so interesting. Ironically, half my material is also Dunder Mifflin related. It's I just write jokes about the office. That's how funny I am. No, and there are some instances where you know a joke can come up from your workplace or from like you know your family. Obviously, like I said, I'd write write a lot about that, but it's. It's about making it funny to not just the people that are inside that office, yeah. but to the average person off the street that will find it funny. Have your parents seen you? Yes. Well, yes. Let me know. Super supportive, okay. actually. Okay. <laughs> I want to know the first time they ever saw you. Like, what was their uh, experience? Well, my priest. How nervous were you? My too? priest was there too, so I was pretty nervous. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I was doing a show um, at Kelly's, actually, where we do our yep. open mics now in Endicott. I was doing it with a uh, big urn. Um, and it was 38% of this podcast is just you, just you saying other names, other names. Yeah. <laughs> I owe a lot of people to where I, where I'm at to be in this apartment with these cats. <laughs> wow. Okay. You old Craigslist. <laughs> these cats. No, I was at Kelly's. Um, it was, I was doing, I think I was supposed to do 15 minutes. I, it was like the second or third comedian up. It was a good spot. Room was good, but yeah, it was pretty, both my parents were there. Um, couple pe- uh, people from the neighborhood yeah. were there and my priest was there and just the fact that I, when I first said that my parents and my priest are here, that got a laugh right away. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of came between every time I a punchline went well or a punchline went bad, I just said, oh, sorry, Dad, or sorry, yeah. Father, forgive me for I've sinned. I've made a room of 80, 80 paying customers not laugh. Yeah. And that always got laughs. Not and good. no, they were very supportive. Uh, my dad was in a band um, when he was in his 20s. And his parents never came and saw him. So he made it a point, especially early on. And to this day, he tries to come to shows. But especially early on he would go to as many shows as he could you know would always call me ask how it went you know even if he couldn't make it did he ever object to something you were saying no actually no very he was they were very supportive like i did jokes i do jokes about him while he's in the crowd and it not one it it gets a bigger laugh because i always point out that he's there (laughs) but two no he he thinks it's funny he'll give me uh tips that he thinks are really funny he's like hey so i heard this about donald trump and you should say this about hillary clinton but (laughs) (laughs) no um both parents very supportive it was almost they've never had a problem with anything i've said on stage your dad's favorite president is reagan oh yeah yeah okay yeah you had it you had it that line in, in a joke you did, right? Yeah, I used to do a Long joke about – I used to do a joke. This was during the 2016 election because yeah. my dad did not like Donald Trump. Um, he was a Ted Cruz guy. He thought Ted Cruz was going to be the next Reagan. Okay. But no, he, so he, he thought Trump was like the worst thing that happened to the uh, his beautiful Republican Party. Wow. Look who's wrong now. Yeah. <laughs> but he hated Hillary Clinton. Like Hillary Clinton's like yeah. the devil to him. So I did a joke about, well, if you were on a desert island and you had to – and there was a gun to my head. We're both on a desert island. The Somalian pirates have a gun to my head. And they say, you have to vote for either Trump or Hillary. Who do you vote for? And he said, pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the joke was that in behind my dad's mantle, who is studying to be a deacon, by the way, there is a picture of Jesus and a picture of Ronald Reagan. Interesting. Yeah. So where would you, where's, where's the family photo? Like way. Oh, that's way. No, that's okay. okay. Well, there's Mitchell, who is uh, you know has a uh, beautiful daughter, beautiful wife, and also is in the Navy. His picture gets to be close to Reagan and Jesus. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So the the comedian son is like down the hall. Gotcha. That makes (laughs) not even the same room. (laughs) Nah, I'm down the hall. I I am the first one though, and I'm the only one that stayed, so I get that. Yeah, maybe that's maybe he doesn't like you because of that. (laughs) It's like oh, you know, if he could, if he would have, you know, gone away, at least you know I could have missed him and then grown to love him. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this is sad <laughs> I don't know I, I, my parents have seen me uh, they saw me twice recently but yeah. they they went like three years without 
And I'm like, you know what? Now, what do they think? Do they well, supportive? Did they say anything? I can't believe you said that. Or no, no. Okay. Um, they'll talk shit about other people. Other oh, really? Comedians. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's basically like driving with a comedian. What they say about? What they say about me? Oh, they didn't see you. Say that Mike Carroll kid. No, they didn't see you. Needs to grow so, a few inches, and maybe I'll, no, I'll laugh no, at him. No, they never saw you. They they've seen me. My dad has seen me. Because for a while, my car was out of commission. That's right. You're, so my dad was Your dad was me. your driver. Yeah, because I was eight. That's balling, though. Yeah. You had, your own dri- you had your own driver. To my own driver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He made me sit in the back, which is weird. Like, my mom wasn't even there. He's just like, get in the back. No, he was all right. I mean, he didn't, he didn't say anything. He, he thought it was funny. Uh, but I had a, you know, I had a blowjob joke. And I'm like, yeah, my dad's here, by the way. And that's <laughs> blowjob joke for dad. And that got a laugh, too. And yeah. Like, but, like, I didn't even, like, think. I mean, I thought about it. But I'm like, oh, geez, well. This joke always works. Got to do, got to use it. And I just didn't want him to, you know, tell me his favorite blowjob joke. <laughs> that would have ruined a lot of things. No, this is funny. Speaking of uh, parents, so now that you mention it, I the stuff I say on stage, I would never say to them in conversation. Yeah. But for some reason, that barrier of, oh, you're being on stage with a microphone and it's like an act for some reason, I'm allowed to get away with shit up there. Do you right? swear in front of your parents? I do. I do. When did you, this is interesting to me, probably only me, but when did you start swearing in front of your parents? I still get yelled at to this day for it sometimes. Uh, probably when I was like 21, 22, you know. Of legal age to swear. Yeah, legal age to swear. You know, mom was recovering from breast cancer. So, you know, there, there was yeah. worse things happening than, you know, right. Mike dropping, a, you know, an occasional shit here and there. Right. But no, I, I, I generally don't that much swear in front of my parents. Um, I try not to anyway. But yeah, so when they do see you on stage and you swear, it's not really that it's big It's not a deal. that big a deal. No, I think it's more some of the stuff that's like, like talking about like some of the sex jokes or yeah. stuff like that that freaks them out more. Well, that's and then and then the virgin, weed, and then right? and then the weed jokes don't bother them because okay. they literally caught me like a million times. We thought we were being so slick and <laughs> we we were not. Yeah, man, I'm afraid to go back and ask my parents what they saw me doing and what they didn't see me doing. Like, there's absolutely they they absolutely heard me have sex one time. Did they really? Oh, without a that doubt, been mortifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if my girlfriend wouldn't have said, "That's not how you do it," so many times. You know, <laughs> that, no, that's a little bit better. No, I never did, dude. Catholic Catholic parents, I would never bring a girl over to my house when they're home. Oh, really? Fuck oh. that. Well, now that you mention it, that's terrifying to me. My high school girlfriend, she's Italian <laughs> and Catholic, we always went to my house. Yep, that's no, so, that's yeah, I get it now. That Catholic guilt, man. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if she had get you every time. Guilt. But no, I, I, yeah, my parents are kind of cool about it. Uh, my mom hates stand up, doesn't like it at all. Really? So much like, much like Stephen Colbert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I heard too. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, this will segue nicely, but she, uh, Stephen Rogers, uh, he just made his uh, debut on Colbert, you know, whatever, in April or May, whenever that was. And I posted, I was proud of the guy. I posted, because he was actually, Stephen was at my, Steve Rogers was at my first open mic, left before I hit the stage. Like oh, smart wow. guy. Yeah. And uh, but so I'm like, oh, okay. So I posted it online. Posted the set. My parents fucking love Colbert, and I got them to watch Seth Meyers. They like Corden for some reason. And hey, Corden's cool. I like Corden. I just can't watch the monologue. It's too, <laughs> it's too sugary sweet, and he, he, everything's brilliant. He loves life, man. He, yeah. <laughs> he loves that's, everything. Maybe that's why. I'm just mad that he has a good life and I don't. He just loves it, man. But, uh, so I posted the, the clip on Rogers on, on my Facebook page. And my mom, who just told me a couple days ago that she – oh, no, maybe she did in the post. But she – oh, that's what – she did in the post. She goes I'll, – I'll find it. But she's like, I hate – I usually hate stand-up, but I really liked him. So I'm like, it took me like 20 years to be her favorite son – and I'm one of two comedians she knows now, and I'm number two. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I cannot win with this woman. But she hates it, man. She, the first show she ever saw, uh, I made fun of her, and she turned around at Maddie B's and just looked at the, she looked at the bar for like last whatever, however long. Oh since my God, she literally shunned you during a performance. Yeah, and it wasn't because I, I said anything I had, bad. I thought I, I had the I think uh, it was, Catholic parents. I think it was, <laughs> well, and she's Catholic too, but uh, Russ Mantini. So, uh, but she, it, I think it was more of an uncomfortable. Uh, sitting arrangement, yeah. But but yeah, she's she's not into it at all. But they're musicians, so they get what I'm. They kind of get what I'm trying to do, right? So they just you know they would like if I could if I could show them a thousand dollar check every couple of weeks. Oh yeah, I'm they, sure would they would absolutely sure they would be yeah. supportive of it. Absolutely. But now they're like, oh, nice hobby, and I'm like, you don't know what this pays for. Hey. <laughs> 
and it you know it's it's it is a fun hobby that you you know i mean you more than me you get paid, yeah. you get paid to do it yeah. you know it's it's a lot of fun yeah i like it it's so, i still have fun with it what what do you what have you gotten out of stand-up confident um confidence for sure like um you know not naming any particulars i work in sales and yeah. so it's you know you can deal with rejection well you know you can put yourself out there you gotta you know make yourself um you know sell your sell yourself to a crowd sometimes so confidence for sure um great friendships you know people that you know you meet people from all different walks of life that you wouldn't normally hang out with or have met <laughs> so well, so I, and i know i know all the people you know basically yeah. through comedy yeah yeah but like i cannot imagine if you walk and every scene's the same if you walk into an open mic you're gonna see just the people you wouldn't have hung out with at all in high school oh yeah you're like, no, like, I know I'm not popular, but shit, I'm not going to be around you, you know? And they're at the open mics, and they end up being, like, your friends. Because yeah. because you go into a bar, and you're like, well, I only know this guy. We're on the show tonight, and he's an all right guy, but we're friends tonight. So, and it's like, you end up developing these relationships. It's like, wow, that's weird. And I know that, because you're, what, 30? I'm 30. Two? I just turned okay, 30. No, so I'm, so, <laughs> so, I'm sorry, man. Don't make me older, man. Sorry. <laughs> well, you got, you got this huge... Pile of gray hair. And like, and, uh, no audio. My before Mike came over, he goes, "Is this audio or just video or video or audio?" And I'm like, "Nobody wants to see me." So, but yeah, I was happy. It was just yeah, audio, though. So it's like, so when I say you have like a Santa Claus hat and beard, you know, like you're fine, man. I was gonna say you could say whatever, yeah, basically. <laughs> so you just promise never to go see Mike. He looks like a better looking <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna just, go the just, opposite. Just way. a foot shorter. How is that possible? Just a foot shorter. A better looking Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Nah, he was. I think he was made in a laboratory. All right. Yeah, okay, all right. So, all right. The last 16 minutes I do in the show is all dedicated to how it's good all Ryan Reynolds looks. Wow, yeah, so great. It's kind of a weird format, but it's been working for me. We'll, we'll bust it out. So indefinitely, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I wonder. I, I don't think I probably couldn't name 10 movies he's been in. Waiting. I'm not gonna. Do it here, but yeah, we could get there. If we yeah, tried. one. So, <laughs> getting back to you know what comedy's yeah. given me, you know, I did take a little bit of a hiatus where I wasn't doing it all that much, yeah. and I for sure miss that creative outlet. And maybe it's like you know we like to punish ourselves a little bit because you know you, yeah. you drive, you go. Some of the shows are good, some of them, some of them are bad, but I am having fun with it again over the last about year and a half. So. What keeps you motivated then? You guys, it's it, that yeah. sounds lame, but yeah. like you know, trying to go out there and make other comedians to this day, like when I first started making the other comedians laugh, get that respect of yeah, and then you're always like we said earlier, you're chasing that high. You know, like I said, we went out to Rainbow Trail. I don't even know exactly how many people were there, but you know, gotta be just watching us. Gotta be around forty. Yeah, so they, make, they pack, make, they, making they making forty strangers on a Thursday night at a bar that didn't necessarily know a comedy show was going to be there. Yeah, you know, making them laugh. It's, weird and addicting <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like it, it like it, it is like i don't do drugs man like I, I i drink a little bit but when i when i get off stage at a, at a good set or say goodbye because i usually host all these shows uh you know it's like it's like that's that's all i need yeah. and and i've said it before on the podcast too but when i don't perform on a weekend man is that a low and i i just i and i did it to myself but man i don't want to i hate that like I'm, I don't have a, I don't have a show this Friday and I'm dreading it because I know like at least I got Thanksgiving <laughs> but like oh. Black Friday you go out you can go out shopping like that I have no money <laughs> all, right, so, all right what you do go out all those people will be standing in line you go with a microphone start telling them jokes hold out a pot yeah. and then you'll get money to go Black Friday shopping oh it's like my tip jar I'll just yeah, tell joke yeah. and tell jokes to yeah. people waiting in line. Listen, more money, uh, I'll be able to buy that stand-up like, class. Like, I am telling jokes to random people in line at Black Friday, yeah. and my life, I still made better life decisions than you because you're standing <laughs> in line at Black Friday. <laughs> Very true. So you, you hosted, uh, that was pretty much a large part of your career, right? Yeah, the first. Okay. How long did you, oh, how man. long were you, were you typecast as a host? A little while, actually. I would say maybe two years, even two and a half, three. To, the, to this day, I... I had stopped liking doing it because it just became very – and I'm, you do a great job and you do it all the time. So And I have nothing but sympathy and respect for you. <laughs> That's funny, it's, sympathy and respect. It's, no, it's, it, hosting is a tough gig and I know that I can do it and I am good at it. But one, you have to be on the whole time. You know, there's something about being able to go up there, do your time, you're done, you don't have to worry about it the rest yeah. of the night. You know, being a host, you have to keep going back up there. So, like, if you didn't have a good 10 minutes to start yeah. the show, you got to keep facing that crowd and getting them excited for the next comedian. And, you know, so I 
learned less is more with it. And I think that's why people liked me is because I would go up there, do my 10 minutes, do my five minutes, whatever it is, bring up the next comedian. And then if that comedian did well, I just went up there and brought up the next comedian. I wasn't doing any time. Let's I was just, dodge. just keep it going. Like, you know, they're laughing. Let's just keep it going. Worst night I ever had as a host, probably. Uh, it was just one of those things where I think my set was okay. Didn't get the response I wanted at the end. And I just tried too hard between comics yeah. to say something funny. And, you know, if it's a joke that I worked on and that bombed or whatever, that hurts. But when I go and absolutely fucking kill momentum, oh, my God, I, that'll never oh, yeah. and I'll never get over that. And then if you're bringing up comedian that say you've never worked with before and you, oh, and you yeah. bomb and then you bring yeah. them up, they're just looking at you like, dude. What's your pet peeve on a host? Because I got one. I, I want to see what you're going <sighs> this. Because when you host a show, you just absolutely will look at the other host and be like, oh, no, I would have done this differently. I would. That's not right. I think it's doing time between comedians if the crowd is already laughing. If the crowd – or there's or if it's a similar style comedian coming up next. Like unless you need to rearrange the mood of the room or the last comedian bombed, there should be never anything that the host should say between comics other than maybe a quick quip here and there. Yeah. But mostly it should be the introduction for the next comic, that next comic's name. Let's keep it going. I think my my biggest pet peeve is when the host of the show will say, and, you know, give it up for one of my good friends, and then he fucks up your name. Oh, yeah. That's, it's like, that's well, a bad how one. close the friends are we? Like, yeah. it's such a gamble. Yeah. Like, just don't even just it's, say my and name. And again, man. I don't really get annoyed with hosts ever just because I did it for so long and I know that it's tough because it, it's – I will say hosting is a lot more like work than any other person on that yeah, show. I agree. And you're going, you're going up cold, you know, for the most part. Unless the guy before you takes a shit. <laughs> and then you got to unbury that. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're going up cold. Um, you know, you got to get the crowd going. And then if the crowd isn't into it anymore, you got to try and get them back. It's, it's a tough hustle, hosting. But I got to work because I always said yes to it. I got to work a lot. That's in what my I early tell days. people. Yeah. Man, if, if, you, if you're upset about not getting booked, offer to host. Yeah, I, I got to host work. Host the open mic. Show that you can host, yeah. and you'll, you'll get that If it's a skill you have, they'll, they'll always, you should be able to get a job every at least two months or so because there's... Helps you network, too. There's, there's bookers that don't like doing it themselves. Like, like you, I'm sure, yeah. would love to not host every show you do. I'm, I'm on the fence on that. Like, yeah. I love hosting. I also would like you're, to not host... Right, but I, I'm power hungry, and like, I, like I, <laughs> you don't want to see that. I guess power hungry probably isn't it, but I like control. Okay, and like it. So if I host, I know what I don't like, and I know what I like. So if I have to watch someone do the things I hate, I'll hate myself. Okay, so I'm like I, I'm on the fence. Like I really would love to to give the reins to somebody else once in a while, and I know I should for my soul. <laughs> but I don't know if I can do that. It's I mean, weird. if if you keep doing it, man, like I said, I just, I fell out of love with it. And then I start, people started booking me for not hosting, <laughs> yeah, but I, amazing. I will say I was working less though. Yeah. So like the boho coming up on December 27th, I'm really excited to host. I haven't done it in a long time, so I'm really excited to get back to it a little bit. When do you, can you remember the last time you hosted a show? Would have been <sighs> one of those comedy crawls? I think it was comedy crawl. Um, at the terracotta two years, two years ago. ago i think that was the last time i hosted it actually went pretty well but i think that may have been the last time i hosted a show because i don't i don't think i've ever hosted a show for you no over the last two years no because i think i've only had a few a few hosts yeah and i've been booking for two and a half about two and a half years yeah no i don't think i think that was two years ago comedy so yeah i'm excited to do it again it's been long enough you nervous that you're not going to remember how to do it <laughs> I'll remember how to do it. You got to okay. say the person's name. You got to be, and I, we do I it different. I, I yeah. get way too. I'm, I, I am the most excited guy in the world yeah. for that next comedian to come up, yeah. <laughs> and I find that works good for me. Yeah. And I'm more worried about going up there and doing my first joke and just nobody laughing. But that's how every other show is. But because uh, you're, you're setting, you're yeah. setting the, you're setting the stage for the night. You know, so you want to be funny, but you also know. You have to judge yourself more off the other comedians. Like if that comedian right after you comes out and is able to do well, you're probably doing a good job. Yeah. Or they're just way better than you are. So Yeah, I just know like I think my personality is suited to host because I'm used to uh, I'm the third I'm the third kid. You're an oldest kid, right? Yeah, I am. So one brother? Uh two younger brothers. Two younger so. brothers, okay. So I'm the third of four kids. I am used to having anything I do overlooked. So okay. when I host the show, I think I'm I'm the right temperament because 
even if I have a really good set, which is so rare, but even if I, <laughs> even if I had a really good set, uh, I never expect to hear somebody say, oh, I loved you. I don't know how to take compliments, so it's probably good that I don't hear that stuff. But, but I know that the focus is on the headline. You're standing comedian. You don't know how to take compliments. And that's what, weird. What do you, what do you, what do you do it's it so for? So weird. I know. I know. <laughs> and just the, all the wrong. The love of the game. The love of the game. The art. The women. Oh, the, the women. women. You know how they flock. Yeah. So, but no, I just. Uh, it's glorious. Glorious it's, comedy group is. <laughs> oh, they're so rare. <laughs> and so, no, I just. Uh, I, I'm. I'm of that temperament where it's like, okay, if you don't notice me, that's fine. I'm used to it. I've been doing that all my life, and I think that's where hosting. You know, yeah, it's a grind. Somebody's got to do it, and I do enjoy it. But I think, like, I can take those hits yeah. more than I know some people can. Yeah. At least that's what I think. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, you know, I, if, if I have anything, you know, anything positive comes out of being the third of four kids, that's probably it for me. Yeah. You know. Uh, you just got to pronounce the names right, too. That's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's. I don't remember the last time I f- screwed up a name like that or forgot somebody. That's. I called Bill Lake Luke Bryant one time. Luke Bryant? I called him Luke Bryant. On purpose? No. It was the first time like, I met oh, him. Oh, no, no I brought him up on stage during an open mic. And oh, I, man. I, it was the first time I met him, and for whatever reason, I he doesn't look like Luke Bryant. No. <laughs> but it was the first time I met him, and for whatever reason. He's a guy in old school, right? I have no idea. No, that's Luke Wilson. Oh. <laughs> no, oh. Luke Bryant's a country singer, but I just said Luke Bryant. I don't know why, but yeah, that, that was probably the most embarrassing. I actually knew who the Luke, who, who the Luke Bryant was. Yeah, that was. I can't say it. That was my, that was my, <laughs> that was your, funny. Your gaff. Yeah, that was probably my biggest one. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I fucked up jokes and everything, and and I'll I'll you know run over my words every once in a while, but I don't really think I've screwed up a name that badly. Yeah, it was it was an open mic. Thank God it wasn't. That was at a show. <laughs> oh, oh, here's a fun one. You called me the wrong name. Do you remember that? No. Yes. Uh, so um, we have the we have the same name. Yeah, that was my line. So. We were at Maddie B's and it was right. It was about two years ago. So no, it was it was this recent. It was this recent. Oh God! Yeah. So we're we're I'm I'm in the scene probably a year and a half at that point. Okay. Uh, Maybe you know maybe it was three years ago. Got it. So so. I'll bet it was three years ago because I had been around a little while. Maybe not a year yet. And but I was hosting the mic. I was hosting the open mic, and and it was definitely Maddie B's. So. Uh, and then they had just moved stuff around for the venues for the comedy crawl. Okay. So it was like late March, very early April. Uh, April 1st was usually the comedy crawl. So late March. And I went up to you. And so, you know, oh, is this is this the right one? Like this place? Where are you going to host? Something like that. And uh, so you got up on stage. I forget what name you – oh, you called me Matt Davis. Oh God! You call me Matt Davis. You got on stage, and uh, so oh, I, because I screwed up the venue. I got some detail wrong. I got your name right, but yeah. I got some detail wrong, and and you took the mic and you go, "Let's give it up for Matt Davis." And oh, I laughed, God, and I'm like, "Oh, so that's bad. funny." And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if he was joking about that. That's so. Bad. So I talked to a couple of people <laughs> in the back, and I'm like, "Did he not know who I am? Nothing to be big shot, but I was running the open mic. <laughs> I should have known like, at that point. Like, yeah. I should have known and at that point. Like, not like, oh, I'll just take it this week. No, like I it was your it was your mic at that point. Yeah. And this was now March. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so bad. And you weren't you weren't there every week, but yeah. you were there enough to know. And your girlfriend apologized. So, so oh, she's man. Like, she looks. Shout out, shout out, Sarah Man. Yeah, always so, having my back. Oh, it's maybe maybe her her half black side. I don't know, <laughs> but, but no. So at but at the end of the set, like you give it up for your host, Matt Davis, and I go on stage and I'm like, my name's Mike. <laughs> we have the same name. <laughs> so bad. Oh man, <laughs> I forgot all. I like I like how I tell a story about my biggest gaffe, and you're like, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I'm glad I had you on this podcast because that's that's beautiful. Let, that's me, let, me, let me correct you on your biggest gaffe. <laughs> no, it was a good one. I just uh, I was like, but I, I I think I held that with me for a little bit. But I'm like, it was just like, dude, like <laughs> that's my bad. I'm sorry, man. No, it was funny though, and it's uh, you know when you drink that that uh, water you got there and you find out it's poison. That's why I was gonna say this yeah. is a long plan. <laughs> To, the long to issue paper. No, what it, you're, you're going to book me on another show, and then it's going to introduce me by the wrong name, and then light me after a minute. <laughs> Matt Davis. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll be performing as Matt Davis. That's <laughs> yes. it. It's like a. It's like that. Uh, yeah, he's funny. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's you got better hair than he does. I, I appreciate that. You have hair. 
Yeah. Matt Davis is bald. Yeah. So I don't know, man. So so you uh having fun with this. You got Boho coming up. Yep. Any grand plans? Um, you know, just taking it um every show at a time, you know, try and write new material is always also the goal. You know, I think the more you write, the better your stuff's gonna be eventually, even though for all the stinkers. So yeah, just keep doing shows, keep having fun. Trying to make people laugh. That's the dream. How can people follow along with you? Uh, Facebook is just Mike Carroll, two R's, two L's, like Lewis Carroll spelling. Um, that's all I got. I don't do the Twitter or the Insta or anything. But do you find yeah. that, like, I mean, do you, do you think you're missing out on that? Probably. I'm probably not doing myself any favors by not being on more social media platforms. But eh. I, t- Twitter, so when I had Facebook and then Twitter was coming along, I was like, I don't need another thing. And then Instagram, I was like, I don't need another thing. So at this point, it's just Facebook, Mike Carroll. You can follow me for shows if you want to. Or just, you know, hit me up. <laughs> Friends and family that haven't seen me in a while. Yeah, I'll give you uh, – I'll, I'll do the intro and I'll put your your house address. Yeah, and yeah, do that. Number do in that. There. Yeah, Charmaine will love that. Yeah. <laughs> put, put the house address. Cat's there. name is Victor. Cat's name is Victor. Is that Charmaine's cat, or did you? I'm I'm its stepdad, I guess. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, the it's name a, it's a stepdad. I was cat. gonna ask how the name, how you came up with Victor. Yeah, no, that cat was living there before me, and it lets me know that all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my cats are my my cats got up here, and uh, I think one of them's yeah. They've all they've all hovered around you at, at a time or two. <laughs> yeah, they seem to not mind me too much. No, they're okay. They're just a you know they're dicks. They're cats. But I do need to feed them, so I'm going to have to cut this podcast off. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. And like I said, you can, you can catch Mike Carroll doing shows around Binghamton and everywhere else. So catch him with the boho on December 27th. Pulling wings off inside some Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in